Ladies and gentlemen, recording from Los Angeles, California. Welcome to another edition of the one and only podcast known to the world as Sean's Sports Stop, where Sean Tiplitsky gives his unique opinion on the biggest news stories in sports. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the one and only Sean Sports Top Podcast, episode number 400. Definitely a milestone. Um, doing this podcast is something that I truly love, truly enjoy. Um, you know, doing this for a living would be a dream that, you know, if the world was perfect and ideal, then this is what I would be doing. But we know that it's not. So we'll see what the future holds. Uh, but I wanted to start this episode off by just expressing my gratitude for everything the show has given me, all the fun, just talking about sports, uh, the opinions, talking to you guys, the listeners. I mean, it, it's just all been a wonderful ride so far, and it's only the beginning. Um, I'm sure in the very near future, I'll be recording the 1000th episode of this show and reminiscing. Uh, so we're almost halfway there. Um, you know, originally this was supposed to be a daily a daily show. Obviously, I didn't stick to that uh, commitment with the first episode coming out in uh, spring 2018. You know, if I did stick to that uh, schedule, we would be at well over a thousand episodes already. But, uh, you know, it's not about how many episodes you crank out or how often you well, you know, you need to be consistent, but quality is definitely better than quantity. And yeah, I mean, just pretty crazy 400. I mean, also, this is the 400th episode that I talk about sports, this doesn't include um, the plethora of very, very talented athletes that I've had the pleasure of interviewing on this show. And uh, yeah, without further ado, we have plenty to talk about. The NFL season is rounding third, so to speak. The NBA season is in full swing. Same with NHL. The World Cup, the second semifinal of the World Cup was today. We'll definitely talk about that. So the World Cup final is set along with the third place match as well. MLB free agency, the hot stove started off pretty cool, pretty slow, but has absolutely ramped up and it is just flaming hot right now. Definitely going to cover MLB free agency. And with that said, let's get right into it, starting with some NBA. The NBA continued the revamping of its postseason awards on Tuesday, announcing the renaming of individual trophies after legends and introducing the NBA Clutch Player of the Year award, a new award. The NBA MVP has been renamed to the Michael Jordan Award, and its redesign features a 23.6-inch bronze silhouette of his airness. The trophy also weighs in at 23.6 pounds as a nod to Jordan's numbers during his playing career, uh, his number 23, and the championships he's won six. Uh, quote, our new collection of trophies celebrates some of the greatest and most impactful players in the history of the NBA, Commissioner Adam Silver said. As we recognize the league's top performers each season, we also pay tribute to the legends who embody these prestigious awards. Five other legends were also honored in the revamp, which also features a redesign of those trophies. The Defensive Player of the Year is now the Hakeem Olajuwon Trophy, Rookie of the Year, the Will Chamberlain Trophy, Sixth Man of the Year, the John Havlicek Trophy, Most Improved Player, the George Mikan Trophy, and Clutch Player of the Year, the Jerry West Trophy, the Logo. MJ won the MVP award five times during his career, tied with Bill Russell for second on the all-time list. Only Kareem Abdul-Jabbar owns the all-time record with six MVPs. 
Olajuwon is one of just three players in league history, Jordan and Giannis Antetokounmpo, to win the MVP and Defensive Player of the Year in the same season. Perhaps the greatest defensive center to ever grace the hardwood, the Houston Rockets legend won the Defensive Player of the Year in back-to-back seasons in 1992-93 and 93-94. Quote, I am honored to have the opportunity to celebrate the league's best defensive player each year, said Olajuwon. Great basketball teams are defined by their ability to defend with every great team connected by an elite defensive anchor. That is absolutely true. The saying, defense wins championships, is absolutely true. So this is pretty cool. Um, A nifty way to honor NBA legends. Not that, you know, guys like Michael Jordan needed more recognition, but I think this is a very classy move by the NBA. And I think it's just great overall. Let's switch gears to some NFL. Veteran slot receiver Cole Beasley is coming out of retirement to return to the Buffalo Bills. Buffalo announced on Tuesday that they have signed Beasley to their practice squad, a move that um, the NFL Network was reporting as expected. The 33-year-old spent three seasons in Buffalo from 2019 to 2021 before going unsigned in free agency this past offseason. Beasley signed with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in September and appeared in two games, but he announced his retirement in October. Buffalo has been in the market for a veteran wideout as they recently hosted free agent Odell Beckham Jr. on a visit. More on him later, OBJ visited the Bills, Cowboys, and New York Giants, and as noted by NFL Network, both the Bills and Cowboys have signed other receivers. Bills, obviously, with Cole Beasley, and the Cowboys bringing in T.Y. Hilton. A very low-risk, high-reward move for the Cowboys there, potentially. Uh, So, I mean, just like the Cowboys and T.Y. Hilton, this is pretty much a low-risk, high-reward potential move. I mean, I don't. there's no real downside for the Bills making this move if Beasley doesn't pan out. you know, I just don't see, I don't see there being a downside to this move. Um, I think Dawson Knox has been underperforming for the most part, definitely in fantasy, definitely in fantasy. <laughs> As someone who um, had Dawson Knox in fantasy, I dropped his ass, but I'm sure the Bills can't go wrong with some more wide receiver production. Some more NFL, uh, this is very unfortunate. The NFL has to, absolutely has to make a full switch from turf to natural real grass. I don't care if it's more expensive. You make enough money to ensure or at least help out the safety of your players. I mean, players are dropping like flies, tearing their ACLs left and right, left, right, and center every single day. I mean, it's just crazy. Too many injuries. And these aren't minor injuries. This isn't a high ankle sprain. This isn't, you know, a contusion. This isn't anything like that. A torn ACL is as serious of an injury as you can possibly have especially, you know, someone like an NFL player or soccer player, basketball player, hockey player, all of those guys, ACL, obviously, you know, you can't walk without one. So Arizona Cardinals quarterback Kyler Murray, unfortunately, will miss the rest of the season after an MRI confirmed he tore his ACL during Monday's 27 to 13 loss. The New England Patriots head coach Cliff Kingsbury confirmed on Tuesday. Murray was carted off with a non-contact injury during Arizona's week 14 game. It was yet another difficult break in the season that has been filled with them for the Cardinals. The 25-year-old is one of the league's best dual-threat playmakers at quarterback one healthy, and he was an Offensive Rookie of the Year, and two, and he has two Pro Bowl selections on his resume. The Oklahoma product has completed 66.4% of his passes for almost 2,400 yards, 14 touchdowns, and only seven interceptions, while adding 418 yards and three scores on the ground in 11 games this season. Colt McCoy entered the game against the Patriots after a Murray exited and figures to be the Cardinals QB while the starter is sidelined. Obviously, they're not making the playoffs this year. Uh, Huge down year for the Cardinals. 
Cole McCoy is best known for his collegiate career at Texas, but he's an inex- he's an experienced backup who can keep the offense af- afloat if needed. He looked pretty good coming in for Kyler, but you know he's nothing special. The 36-year-old has played for the Cleveland Browns, 49ers, Commanders, New York Giants, and Cardinals during a career that started in 2010. I mean, what can I say? Hopefully Kyler recovers as quickly as possible. An absolutely brutal injury. And um, yeah, just prayers up for Kyler. Hopefully we see him back playing soon. Switching gears to soccer. What a World Cup. I mean, I haven't done a podcast episode since the World Cup started. Absolute shame on me. Uh, I might do a full recap of the tournament once it's over. It's not over yet. Uh, We had our first semifinal match yesterday with Lionel Messi on a mission, leading Argentina to a 3-0 victory over Croatia on Tuesday, catapulting the South American champions into the World Cup final for the second time in three tournaments. They lost in 2014 to Germany in extra time. Messi began the scoring with a 34th-minute penalty after a KG opening saw Croatia dominate possession. Goalkeeper Dominic Lovakovic, hero of the European side penalty shootout wins over Japan and Brazil, was fooled uh, and foolish, I should say, to have brought down the onrushing Julian Alvarez before Messi blasted it, leaving no doubts. Five minutes later, that same Alvarez dribbled the length of pretty much the entire pitch before nudging the ball beyond Lovakovic for a 2-0 Argentine lead. The Manchester City forward was a little fortunate to see the ball bounce back to him off um, off the Croatian defenders a couple times. But, you know, it's better to be lucky than good, as they say. Not to say that Argentina was lucky. What a stupendous performance from them. Definitely their best of the tournament so far. Croatia made attacking changes for the second half, but Messi and Alvarez ended any hope of a comeback with 20 minutes to go. Messi's unbelievable run sent Josko Gvardiol, the young Croatian defender, for a spin. The highly rated youngster unable to do anything as Leo laid on the assist for Alvarez to tap home his second goal of the game and give Argentina a commanding and decisive 3-0 lead and win. Messi enters the second World Cup final of his career in what is likely his last attempt at winning the one major trophy that has famously eluded him. Um, we'll see Sunday. Uh, will they play France or Croatia? We Or excuse me, France and Morocco. We will talk about that in a few minutes. But first... Baker Mayfield, let Baker cook, let Baker bake. As a Rams fan, I was at that game in a suite. It was absolutely amazing. It was almost like an out-of-body experience. The Raiders jumped out to an early 10-0 lead. Um, They were up 16-3 late. And when I say late, I mean late. With like five minutes to go in the game, six minutes to go in the game, the Raiders were up by 13. 16-3, 16-3, to uh, their live money line was minus 6,000. Unfortunately, betting is illegal in California. Otherwise, I would have placed a nice little wager on the Rams, which, as we see, would have won. Derek Carr had one of the worst games of his career, going 11-20 for 20 with 137 yards, zero touchdowns, and two interceptions, the first of which was, you know, mind-boggling. I don't know why he threw the ball. Josh Jacobs, not that great of a game either. 27 carries, 99 yards. That's less than four yards a carry, but he did have a rushing touchdown for the Rams. Baker Mayfield, I mean, on two days notice, absolutely sensational, absolutely electric, 22 of 35, 230 yards, a touchdown and interception, including a 98-yard game-winning drive to end the game. I mean, an absolute brilliant performance. Cam Akers contributed, you know, to the best of his abilities, 12 carries, 42 yards, a three and a half. Uh, carries per rush, you know, so he matched the efficiency of Josh Jacobs. So we, we could say he did that and he had a rushing touchdown. So 
Uh, Kyron Williams with three carries for 19 yards, over six yards of carry. Not sure why he didn't get some more. But Baker Mayfield, um, who will start against the Packers with John Wolford uh, having a neck injury and Matthew Stafford being out for the year. I mean, what a win it was for the Rams. Rams head coach John McVay told reporters Tuesday that quarterback John Wolford is, is expected to be unavailable for Monday night's game against the Green Bay Packers at Lambeau Field because of a neck injury, putting Mayfield in line to start under center. What a story. I mean, the Rams claimed Baker off waivers last week after he was granted his release from the Carolina Panthers. Just two days after joining the Rams, he was thrust into action in the first quarter of Thursday night's nationally televised game against the Las Vegas Raiders. What a performance. He really impressed me and I'm sure, you know, all of America, the whole country was watching this game. The whole country saw Baker cook. The whole country saw the Raiders absolutely implode. And when I tell you that this was a Rams home game and 90% of the fans at the game were Raider fans, I am not exaggerating by any means, especially considering the circumstances being that the Rams have pretty much virtually no chance of making the playoffs this season due to all the injuries and then consequential uh, poor performances. The Raiders, meanwhile... You know, we're on a little winning streak and they needed this win against the Rams to push, continue their push for a playoff spot. This was a massive blow choking it away. 90% Raiders fans at the game. My entire suite was Raiders fans. So as a Rams fan, it was so sweet. Definitely, definitely, definitely the highlight of the Rams season. Obviously winning the Super Bowl last year at home. Can't complain too much. But this so far, so far is without a doubt the highlight of the Rams season. The 49ers. Let's talk about the 49ers. They have been dealing with injuries. Jimmy Garoppolo is out. We don't really know how long. At first, it was thought to be for the season. Uh, in the last couple of weeks, it was said that he might come back for the playoffs. But in the meantime, Brock Purdy is balling out, balling out. I mean, he completely sunned Tom Brady, which was crazy. I mean, from Mr. Irrelevant to Mr. Relevant, uh, but we're going to talk about Debo Samuel. Niners wide receiver Debo Samuel is expected to be out for, quote, three-ish weeks while he recovers from knee and ankle injuries, head coach Kyle Shanahan told reporters on Tuesday. The Niners said Monday that the 26-year-old suffered a sprained MCL in his left knee as well as a sprained left ankle. They added that he was expected to return during the season. Debo was injured in, in the Niners' Week 14 win over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers when he carried the ball up the middle, up the middle and landed awkwardly after being tackled. He was visibly emotional as he was carted off the field, perhaps probably thinking that he had a worse injury than he actually did. Um, very awesome to see that he'll be back this year and it's not a major injury. I mean, I'm a Rams fan, but, you know, injuries are kind of, you know, uh, you don't wish in injury on anybody. At least I hope you wouldn't. I certainly don't. Um, I'm not going to lie, though. I do wish ill on this guy, Carlos Correa, in perhaps the biggest signing of MLB free agency thus far one year after waiting out the market Carlos Correa has wasted little time finding a new home by agreeing to an absolutely massive 13-year contract with the San Francisco Giants so let me tell you as a Dodger fan it feels like this man was created in a bio lab to be the absolutely most hated individual by the Dodgers and Dodger fans I mean Starting off by being a member of the 20, a prominent member, I should say, of the 2017 Houston Astros, uh, blatantly and maliciously cheating the Dodgers out of a World Series championship. Then following that up by, instead of apologizing, 
telling the Dodger fans to get over it, telling Cody Bellinger to shut up. By the way, thank you, Cody Bellinger, so much for everything you've done for the Dodgers. Best of luck in Chicago if you're listening to this. But Correa, again, cheated with the Astros, cheated us out of a World Series championship, goes you know, to the Twins in obscurity. Nobody gives a shit about the Minnesota Twins. But obviously the Dodgers' biggest rival, if not the Astros presently, are the San Francisco Giants and the historic rivalry we have with them. So Correa, by signing a 13-year deal with the Giants, for $350 million. Um, yeah, we're going to be booing his ass a lot, Dodger fans. Um, it's the largest contract in MLB history for a shortstop. Uh, it's the fourth largest contract in the history of the league. Uh, he's a two-time All-Star during his seven seasons with the Astros. He appeared to be in line for one of the biggest long-term contracts in free agency last winter. He didn't end up signing until March 22nd when the Minnesota Twins presented him with a unique deal. It was a three-year deal worth over $105 million with Minnesota that included opt-outs after each of the first two years. Despite the Twins limping to a disappointing 78-84 and finish in 2022, Correa was a standout in the lineup as the 28-year-old hit 291, 366, 467 with 22 home runs and 64 RBIs in 136 games. Uh, following Minnesota's home finale on September 29th, the Puerto Rican strongly indicated that he was leaning toward opting out by making an analogy involving Dior, saying, quote, when I go to the mall and I go to the Dior store, when I when I want something, I get it, Correa told reporters. I ask how much it costs and I buy it. If you really want something, you just go get it. I'm the product here. If they want my product, they've just got to come get it. I mean, not going to lie, it's a pretty sound analogy from Correa. Uh, he made his decision official on October the 12th, saying, quote, with the year that I have had, my health and my being at the best moment of my career at 28, that is the right decision, Correa told Puerto Rican newspaper El Nuevo Dia. It's rare to have a player as young as Correa hit free agency twice. He turned 28 on September 22nd and has already built a fantastic resume in Major League Baseball. He owns a career slash line of 279, 357, 479 with 155 home runs in 888 career games. Um, this was a huge signing for the Giants. You know, even as a Dodger fan, I'll admit that. They whiffed on Aaron Judge, they whiffed on Trey Turner, they whiffed on Xander Bogars, but they got their man in Carlos Correa. Hopefully, it doesn't work out for them. Let's switch gears back to some NFL. Five players still have reasonable odds of taking home the NFL MVP award going into the final four games of the 2022 season. Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, Jalen Hurts, Patrick Mahomes, and Tua Tagovailoa are the only players with plus 2,000 odds or better, implying a probability of approximately 5% or better of winning the award. Geno Smith is a distant sixth at plus 8,000, giving him just a shade over 1% chance of being named the league's MVP. While it's still conceivable, the Seahawks signal caller caps off his wildly unexpected breakout season with an equally unlikely piece of hardware. It's almost certain that one of the five players ahead of him will earn it. Me personally, I would give it to Mahomes. So let's look here. We got two at plus 2,000. You put 100 on that to win two grand. Josh Allen also at plus 2,000. Joe Shiesty, Joe Burrow at plus 750, Patrick Mahomes at plus 200, and the favorite, Jalen Hurts, quarterback for the Eagles at minus 175. I would personally give it to Mahomes or Jalen Hurts. Um, I mean, the thing is, both of them have pretty stacked teams. You know, the Eagles have a great all-around team, as do the Chiefs. So I personally, if I was voting on this award, would probably lean towards giving it to someone who doesn't have that great of a supporting cast, someone like Joe Burrow. Tua has a great supporting cast. Geno Smith, you know, but he's just not on the level of these guys. That's why he's a distant sixth at plus 8,000. 
So me personally, if I had to cast my vote right now, I would probably go between Patrick Mahomes and Joe Burrow, but that's just my personal opinion. Some more NFL. OBJ not looking good after months of speculation about where Odell Beckham Jr. will play this season. It turns out the three-time Pro Bowl wide receiver is leaning toward not signing with the team at all until the offseason. Per Jeremy Fowler of ESPN, the belief among several NFL teams is that Beckham will sit out the entire 2022 season and sign with the team at the start of free agency in March. One team executive told Fowler that Beckham will, quote, be the prize among free agent receivers. Again, with T.Y. Hilton going to the Cowboys, Cole Beasley returning to the Bills. Um, doesn't look like OBJ is going to sign with the team. There was a very public flirtation going on between Beckham and the Cowboys for several weeks prior to them signing T.Y. Hilton. Quote, we've got a quarterback could really make some music with him. Cowboys owner Jerry Jones told reporters on December 5th, I think we've got an offensive line that would give the quarterback time to make some music with him. Beckham then sat courtside with Micah Parsons and Trevon Diggs at a Phoenix Suns-Dallas Mavericks game on December 5th. Uh, one day after OBJ's visit with the team, ESPN's Ed Werder reported the Cowboys had concerns after he took a physical that recovery from a torn ACL has not progressed enough to ensure that he would be able to play before mid-January. Quote, there is a possibility that signing Beckham, who closed out his two-day visit with the Cowboys on Tuesday, would have no benefit until the 2023 season, the source added. During a December 8th appearance on The Shop, OBJ said he doesn't, quote, see the point in trying to play in the regular season this year. If you don't know, Beckham tore his ACL in the second quarter of Super Bowl 56 while playing for the Los Angeles Rams. Love OBJ. Um, congrats. I'm not congrats. But, um, hopefully he recovers in time for next season. It kind of felt like him playing this year is a little too optimistic, but hopefully we see him fully healthy next offseason. Now the second World Cup semifinal match that was earlier today is uh, complete. The 2022 FIFA World Cup has a dream final. Kylian Mbappe and France will try to defend their World Cup crown from 2018. Argentina will try to earn the one thing missing on Lionel Messi's, Lionel Messi's illustrious resume. Sunday's final is everything you could ask for from star power to strong defenses to a recent history between the two sides. France defeated Argentina 4-3 in the round of 16 at the 2018 World Cup in a game that featured Mbappe, Messi, and plenty of others who will be on the field Sunday inside the Lusail iconic stadium in Qatar. Argentina and France have been two of the best sides in Qatar and are deserving of playing in the final. Argentina cruised past Croatia in the semifinal round thanks to an early attacking onslaught led by Messi and Julian Alvarez. Um, the Argentine, Argentines have an extra day of rest compared to France, and they played in a less stressful semifinal. Uh, France beat Morocco 2-0 today. Morocco was a, you know, what a run for them, beating Belgium in the group stage, tying with Croatia in the group stage, who they will actually play again in the third place match, um, topping their group against all odds, beating Spain in the round of 16 on penalties, beating Portugal in the quarterfinal in regulation time. Just so many upsets before finally succumbing to France. Um, they, they have everything to be proud of. I mean, they should just be proud. What a performance by Morocco. You know, they had not, they didn't have more shots, but they had more possession than France today. In my opinion, the difference between the two teams today was finishing. the Just like France versus England in the quarterfinals, England might have been the better team. Not saying Morocco was the better team today, but France, the difference, what separates them so far is their ability to finish their chances. They don't waste any chances. They finish the chances they get, even if they don't get many. They'll finish what they get, and that's been enough for them to make their second World Cup final in a row. Me personally, I'll be cheering for Argentina. 
but hopefully we just have a good final. Switching gears to some MLB. Uh, the hot stove is still hot. Noah Syndergaard, Thor, is on the move again after agreeing to a contract with the Los Angeles Dodgers. I mean, I'm a Dodger fan. I'm very excited about this. He's signing a one-year prove-it deal, hoping to, hit, hoping to have a great year and then hit free agency again next offseason. Um, if there's anyone that can fix him, it's Mark Pryor. Um, you know, looking at the work he's done with Tyler Anderson, Andrew Heaney. I mean, so many guys that he turned from, from zero to hero. Um, it's a $13 million deal. So, you know, pretty team friendly, uh, with some incentives last season saw Syndergaard split time between the Los Angeles angels and Philadelphia Phillies. He began the year with the, the angels and pitched well for the team for being traded to Philly in August. Syndergaard looked like he was regaining some of his old form during his brief tenure with the angels. The right-hander had a 3.83 ERA and 64 strikeouts over 80 innings in 15 starts. Things didn't go as well for his move after he was traded to the Phillies though as he posted a 4.12 ERA and averaged only 5.1 strikeouts per nine innings in 10 appearances, nine of which were starts. The key for Syndergaard in 2022 was staying healthy. He had Tommy John surgery in March 2020 after experiencing elbow discomfort during spring training before the season was postponed because of the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, he experienced an, an injury setback early in the 2021 season that delayed his return. The 30-year-old uh, was able to appear in two games out of the bullpen for the Mets late in the season. But then the Angels signed him to a one-year deal worth $21 million. Um, again, he had a bit of a down year compared to what he used to be. But if, if there's anyone that could fix him, it's the Dodgers for sure. Now let's look at MLB free agency as a whole so far, the major moves that have gone down uh, and the ones that haven't yet, who's still available. Obviously, Aaron Judge, haven't talked about it, but he's re-signing with the Yankees for nine years and $360 million. It came down to the Yankees and Giants. And now that, you know, hindsight is 2020. Looking back, it's pretty clear that Judge just used the Giants as leverage to get the money that he wanted from the Yankees. And it worked. I mean, he had a record-breaking year. He got paid. Hopefully, it works out. Jacob DeGrom leaving the Mets, signing a five-year deal worth $185 million with the Texas Rangers. Um, you know, it's good for the Rangers. Obviously, great for DeGrom. But that's too many years for my liking if I was running that team for a player with his injury history. The Mets responded with a corresponding move giving a 40-year-old Justin Verlander a two-year deal worth $86 million. If you're the Mets, I, I think this is much better for your short-term window. You reunite Verlander with Scherzer. I think uh, the Mets are cooking. Carlos Correa, the Giants, we talked about that. Trey Turner leaving my Dodgers. I mean, the, the Phillies gave him the bag, 11 years, $300 million. Hopefully, he lights it up in Philly. Not too much against us. How about this? The San Diego Padres giving everyone a bag. Xander Bogart, 11 years, $280 million to pry him from the Boston Red Sox. So in the last three years, essentially, the Red Sox have just let Mookie Betts and Xander Bogarts walk. Essentially, that is unacceptable. Arguably, in my opinion, the best starting pitcher still available on the open market. Carlos Rodon, um, it's rumored that him and the Yankees have mutual interest. Where see, we'll see where he ends up. Clayton Kershaw returning to the Dodgers on a one-year deal worth close to $20 million. The legend himself, the Hall of Famer. Hopefully, he never pitches in any other uniform in his career. Brandon Nimmo, the Mets, wasted no time bringing him back. Eight years, $162 million. The um, best shortstop still available, Dansby Swanson. He's probably going to get a bag, a boatload of money, seeing that uh, you know Trey got 300 Correa got 350 Bogart's got 280 I mean, that's almost a billion dollars for three shortstops alone. Definitely going to go over $1 billion 
by the time Swanson is signed. Edwin Diaz, the Mets brought him back five years, 102 million. That's a little steep for a reliever in, for my liking, despite how dominant he's been. Wilson Contreras making his return to the NL Central, signing a five-year deal worth $87.5 million with the St. Louis Cardinals. They have their replacement for Yadier Molina. Chris Bassett leaving the Mets and heading to Canada with the Blue Jays, three years, $63 million. Nathan Evaldi, who's uh, pitched for the Red Sox for the last few years, is a free agent available, could be a starter, could be a reliever. The best pitcher from Japan coming over this year, Kodai Senga, to the Mets. So they've, they've supplemented their void. Uh, of Bassett and DeGrom by bringing in Senga and Verlander. I mean, that's uh, pretty great. The rich get richer. Uh, ironic for me to say that as a Dodger fan, but Jose Abreu to the Houston Astros, the defending champions, three years, 60 million. Anthony Rizzo not going anywhere. Him and the Yankees love each other. Staying in New York, two years, 40 million with a club option for 2025. Michael Brantley, 36 years old, is a free agent, as is J.D. Martinez, the designated hitter. You got Andrew Benintendi. Uh, played for the Yankees before getting injured last year. Cody Bellinger signed with the Cubs, seventeen and a half million for a guy that bad for the guy that hit one ninety three. But the Cubs are hoping to untap that potential that they saw with the Dodgers. You know, Rookie of the Year in twenty seventeen, MVP in twenty nineteen. Josh Bell, after a brief stint with the Padres, heading over to the Guardians, two years, thirty three million. Mitch Haniger to the Giants, three years, forty three and a half. Christian Vasquez to the Twins, uh, three years, thirty. Pretty solid, you know. Role players, Colton Wong, uh, traded to the Mariners. Gene Segura, free agent. Jerickson Profar. Tyler Anderson to the uh, Angels. Ross Stripling to the Giants. Taewon Walker to the Phillies. Jameson Taeon to the Cubs. Martin Perez um, stayed with the Rangers. And yeah, that's pretty much all we have for a monumental 400th episode of the Sean Sports Podcast. I want to thank you guys all for listening. I love doing this show. Uh, I love that you guys listen. And uh, yeah, it's a blast. I'll see you guys in the next one, hopefully soon. Peace.